My grandkids love riddles, so we're going to begin with a riddle today. What do all these things have in common? Driving the speed limit, having uh, five servings of fruits or vegetables each day, uh, flossing, praying for others. That's stuff we should be doing that we're not doing. Isn't that right? Now, why is that? Why is it that we struggle with praying for others? There are different kinds of prayer, obviously. There's some prayer that we find ourselves doing more than others. Uh, we ask for things all the time, don't we? Uh, some of us are even maybe have a regular habit of confessing our sin before God, agreeing with God, what he says about uh, our misdeeds. Maybe even Thanksgiving. Maybe some of us are good at Thanksgiving. Two, two kinds of prayer, though, that we don't do very often. One is praising God for who he is. And then the other is praying for others. Now, I think probably we don't pray for others as much as we pray for ourselves simply because we're fairly self-centered. We're aware of our needs, not so much interested or aware of other people's needs. But I think the number one reason that we don't pray for others on a regular basis, it's not a regular part of the fabric of our life, is because it doesn't work. I mean, we're intelligent people. We've tried it and... We don't see anything changing. It's like those uh, shows they do on television where they test those products, uh, you know, sold only on television. And they ask people, does it really uh, do what the infomercial says that it does? And they find out that it doesn't. And we've done that with prayer. We've tried praying for others. Doesn't really seem to make any difference. So why should we do that? And that's pretty much all I've got to say about that. Let's have our closing prayer. But maybe we should stay a little longer because Paul has a different opinion. You can't read the writings of Paul beginning and middle without him saying something about, please pray for me, or I'm praying for you, or because of your prayers, this has happened. Paul actually believed that it works. What is it that Paul discovered that we haven't yet discovered? If you have a Bible with you, I invite you to turn with me to one of his writings that we find in Ephesians, the sixth chapter. If you don't happen to have a Bible, you can turn there on the back of your worship guide. It's found there in verse 12. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. I think Paul prayed for others because he knew what we're really up against. He knew what he was up against. You see, I think a lot of times we play to our strength. Uh, if we're physically strong, we find that if we use brute force that sometimes we can solve something, we can loosen something, we can fix something. Others of us are networkers and uh, we drop our name or somebody else's name and it seems to open doors that weren't open before. Others use money in that way. They find that if they just throw a little money at a problem, they make a lot of problems go away. Or maybe it's intellectual prowess that you can figure out a strategy to get around something or to solve something. And whether it's physical strength or networking or money or intellectual assets, uh, we tend to play toward that first. And then if that doesn't work, maybe we pray about it. But Paul understood that the greatest battle that you and I face are battles that can't be seen. They're, they're going on all around us. They're spiritual battles. And there are powers and there's wickedness. 
And Paul started with prayer because he knew the most important battles could only be won with prayer. I also believe that it worked for Paul because he knew how to pray enough of the right kind of prayers. Look there again in Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Look there in verse 18. He says, with all prayer and petition at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. There are a lot of alls in there. Paul knew that the secret to having your prayers answered as you're praying for others is to pray the right kind of prayer all of the time. He talks about praying for all the saints all the time with all perseverance. He said, don't give up. Keep at it because it will work if you just keep praying. But we don't. We don't pray enough. That's why it doesn't work for us because we've shot off a casual, a convenient prayer and nothing happened. And so we said, well, why try? And we haven't stayed after it. We don't believe God enough to stay in prayer with all perseverance. I think one of the reasons that we don't pray enough is because it's going to cost us time. See, there's a, there's a price tag to intercessory prayer, and one of the price tags is time. And very frankly, people would rather give you their money than their time these days. They can make more money. They can't make more time. And it's costly, isn't it? It's kind of like when you're walking down the hall or down the street and you see somebody, you say, Hi, how are you? We really don't want to know, do we? You know, what, what happens if they stop and say, well, I'm glad you asked. See, I'm having this difficulty here. And then he said this, and then I said that. They're thinking, whoa, wait a minute. I really don't care. I was just saying that to say something. You know, I was really hoping for fine is what I was hoping for. Maybe fine, how are you doing? So I could say fine, and we just keep moving. It's that way with intercessory prayer. If you're going to really pray for somebody, you've got to know how to pray. If you've got to know how to pray, then it gets real messy because you get really deep in the weeds. And we don't want to pray because it takes too much time to pray like that, to pray the right kind of intelligent prayers for other people. And we don't want to pray because a part of the price tag is we're going to have to deal with the sin in our own life. Two very interesting scriptures to read very quickly. One comes from Psalm 66, 18. It says, if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. It's interesting scripture. Psalm 24, 3 says, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood, has not sworn deceitfully. We don't pray for others because we know to really pray for others and know that God hears our prayer. We're going to have to deal with some junk in our own life. Now, to be sure, it's not saying here that if you live a really good life this week, then you somehow earn prayer coins and that God then is going to honor those prayers because you lived well. It's not on merit that we boldly go before the throne of grace, but Even though God's not asking for perfection for a guarantee that our prayers are answered, he is asking for honesty. He's asking us to be current. And if we're going to come before him and we're going to lay before him the needs of our neighbor or our children or our husband or our wife, we've got to clean up things so that their channel is open. And some of us are just not ready to do that. We care about others, but we don't care enough about them to deal with the sin in our life, that besetting sin that so easily besets us. We're not willing to lay that down in order for someone else to have their true needs met. 
and so we don't pray. We don't pray enough because it costs too much. It costs us our time. It costs us our sin. And, and when we do pray, we don't pray the right kind of prayer because there's a kind of prayer that God hears more than others. When the disciples were walking with Jesus, they heard him teach and they knew he was a great teacher, but we don't read that anywhere the disciples said to Jesus, teach us how to teach. But they did ask him to teach them how to pray. You see, they saw the life of Jesus and they saw part of the secret of his power, even in his teaching, is his prayer life. And so they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And of course, he gave to them what we call the Lord's Prayer, which is not really the Lord's Prayer because it has a ask for the forgiveness of sin and he had no sin so that wasn't his prayer it's our prayer the model prayer we're very familiar with it if I ask you to quote it with me most of you not all could quote it with me but I want us to look at it again it's found in Matthew the sixth chapter because I think it gives us insight on how to pray for others interestingly enough it's not just a model prayer for us it's a model prayer as we pray or seek to pray for others in Matthew the sixth chapter in verse 9, it says, pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want you to note the focus of this particular prayer, it's fairly simple. First of all, the focus is on God instead of us. The focus is on needs instead of wants. And the focus, interestingly enough, is on relationships, not circumstances. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. The focus begins with God. And when we pray for others, even when we pray for others, our focus shouldn't begin with their need. It should begin with God's will. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because you see, if we're praying that God's will be done, if we're praying with our focus on God and his will, that's what's best for the person that we're praying for. Uh, a lot of times when we pray, we talk about the power of prayer. And we say things like, you know, pray to God because God can do anything. And it's true, God can do anything. But it's also true, God won't do some things. And the real key is not what God can do. The, the real key is what God will do. And our real power in prayer comes from praying in accordance with God's will. In 1 John, the fifth chapter in verse 14 to 15, this is what it says. It says, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know if he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we've asked of him. Where does confidence come in prayer? Confidence comes in prayer by aligning our request with God's will, not our will, not even the other person's needs. It begins with alignment with God's will. Some of you might push back and say, well, Steve, that's why I don't pray for others. I don't know what his will is. I don't know if it's God's will to supernaturally 
uh, come in and change natural consequences and somebody who was in a car wreck to live. I don't know if that's his will, so I just don't pray. Or I, I don't know if it's God's will for my neighbor to get a job this week. I, I don't. Uh, I, I, so I just don't pray. It is hard sometimes to pray for others when we don't know what God's will is for their life or what God's going to do in this fallen world. But I would submit to you that there's so much that we already know that is God's will, and that's where we need to begin. We need to start with what God wants to happen in this world. Do you think that your children, that it's God's will, that they develop deep relationships with other young people who love God and who are called according to his purpose? Do you believe that that's God's will? That they, their life would intersect with maybe some older students, older teenagers who could model for them the discipleship of what it means to walk in Christ? Of course. We know that's God's will. Did you pray for that this week? Has your child left home and, and headed off to middle school or to high school? Has you sent your young person off to college? And, and have you been faithful since they've left to pray for them every day? For the relationships they have will be God-honoring relationships. Why in the world would we not pray for that every day? You believe it's God's will for your spouse to overcome the sin that so easily besets them? And you know what it is. Did you pray for them this week? That when the temptation came, they would see the way of escape, that they might be able to bear it? Did you pray for that for your spouse? You know that that's God's will. Why in the world would we not pray for that? You believe it's God's will for your brother or sister who attends life group with you to have an impact on somebody else's life to advance the kingdom of God this week? Why wouldn't you pray for that for them? And, and here's what I believe. I believe that if we'll go ahead and pray about those things which we already know are God's will for the others in our life, that in the process, two things are going to happen. One is we're going to be drawn closer to that person. That's why God tells us to pray for our enemies because he knows that we can't stay far from them if we're praying for them. We're going to be drawn closer and we're going to get involved in an intimate way in that person's life. But the other thing that's going to happen is we're going to draw closer to God. The Bible says that God knows all of our needs before we ever pray for them, but then he tells us, he commands us to pray for things. Why is that? Because God is withholding some of the blessings he desires to pour out on your life and the people you care about. And he's waiting for you and I to pray for those things because he knows that there's something more important than even those things to be in our life. And that is to understand where those things come from. James says all good and perfect gifts come from God. And he's going to withhold some of those good and perfect things so that we acknowledge that they're coming from that direction because that's more important will have a greater impact on our needs being met to realize who our creator is and to have a dependency a daily dependency upon him than anything that we could ever receive as a blessing a other kind of blessing in our life and in that process as we are drawn closer and an intimate relationship with him what happens is we begin to understand a little bit more of what this is you see a married couple have been married decades together and one of them will start a sentence, the other one will complete it. And they know what the other person needs or wants even before sometimes they do. And that's because of that intimacy there. When you and I draw 
nigh to God and we begin to pray for others about that which we already know, I think that is in the process of that, that we discover that which we do not know. In a spirit-led, what does he say? Pray at all times in the spirit, he says. And it's in the spirit as we are drawing close to God that we begin to understand some of those other things that we didn't know before. And very, and very frankly, one of the ways that we find out God's will is by praying for the things that we don't know. Paul prayed three times that a thorn in the flesh would be removed. That's how he knew that God's will was not to have the thorn removed. Was he wrong to pray that it be removed? No, not at all. That's how he found out that God was saying, my, my strength is, uh, is performed, is perfected in your weakness. How did he know that unless he prayed for that? Sometimes it's not a no from God. Sometimes it's a not yet. But it's in that waiting time that we're having a conversation with God. And that conversation sometimes is more important than what we're having a conversation about. Notice the second thing here is it not only focuses on God, but it focuses in on need. What does it say there? It says, give us this day our daily bluebell ice cream. Oh, that's not what it says. That's the message. Let me get back to New American Standard. <laughs> Daily bread is what it says. Daily bread. When we're praying for others, one of the things we need to do is we need to move from our wants to our needs. And guys, this is hard for us because we're Americans. We have this spirit of entitlement. And we've got a list of things that we think are needs that are not really needs. It's just that we've always had them, so we think they're needs and they're really wants. You know, most of the people who live in the world live on less than $2 a day. And we've confused needs and wants because of what we've had. My God promises that he'll meet all of our needs according to the riches of Christ Jesus. I realize I'm risking getting mail this week by saying what I'm about to say. But you may not need to get well. You may have a greater need than that, and that may be glorifying God in your sickness. He said he'd meet all of our needs according to the riches in Christ Jesus. One of these days, you're gonna die. All of us are gonna die if the Lord doesn't return in our lifetime, and there will be no more sickness. God will meet that need. It may just not be now. You may not need a job right now. You say, oh, you don't understand, Steve. I got bills to pay. I've got... I, I, we've got real, real problems that we've got to solve, and, and the job was... We may need, not need to solve those problems. We may need to glorify God in a time of the land of the great not yet. I really believe that if we get to heaven one day and there's a large whiteboard and on one side of the whiteboard is all the things that we asked for that were truly needs and on the other side of the whiteboard are all the things that in our lifetime we asked for that were wants, I think we're going to be shocked on what goes on which column. I really do. See, God, we, we pray so much for circumstances to be changed, and God's not as concerned with changing circumstances as he is with changing people. Look back in Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Look at verse 19. Paul writes, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Paul's in prison time and time again, and I don't, I, I don't remember reading that he says, pray that I'll get out of jail. 
That'd be our first prayer request, wouldn't it? What does Paul pray? Paul, Paul says, please pray that I might boldly witness for him while I'm in jail. Thank God for these chains because these chains are making it possible for me to have an impact on the kingdom. We, we find ourselves praying about things that we want rather than what would glorify God. Notice the last part of that is it's about relationships more than circumstances. He, he says there in Matthew, the sixth chapter, he says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I think that's interesting. In that one phrase, there's not, that's not a very long prayer. In that one phrase, he talks about the relationship we have with God. Forgive my debts. Forgive me for my sin because it's keeping me from having a right relationship with you. And while you're doing that, know that I'm forgiving my brother and help me do that as well. It's about relationships, isn't it? It's not that God is not concerned with our health. He is. It's not that we're wrong to pray about our health. But have you been to a prayer meeting lately? It's an organ recital. My dad's heart, my sister's liver, my neighbor's kidney. And that's okay. That's all good and well. But would somebody pray for the lost people in our community? Would somebody pray for our children and the temptations that they face? Would someone pray for the marriages in our church? We get so focused in on the here and now and the temporal and the wants. And again, it's not that God is not concerned with our health, it's just that God's primary concern is not the loss of health, and it's not the loss of a job, and it's not the loss of money, it's the loss of relationships. Because nothing is more important. And if we really prayed for others like God wanted us to pray for others, the center of that would be people being made right with God and people being made right with one another. This is Valentine's weekend, and uh, Here's what we know. We know that there's one thing more than anything else that will reduce the divorce in our land. And it's if married couples would just pray for one another. Three different studies. One which was a Gallup study. I've cited it before. says that a couple that prays together out loud while holding hands after sharing intimate prayer requests at least twice a week that the divorce rate for those couples goes from 50% to less than 1%. In other words, there's nothing you could do to strengthen your marriage more than to pray for one another. But we don't. We don't. Every uh, November we get ready for Christmas and start thinking about the gifts that we're going to buy. We make a list. We sit down with a piece of paper and we make a list of all the things, the people we need to buy gifts for, and then we set amounts on limits on how many gifts and how much we're going to spend on each of the gifts and then we add it all up and we have a number and I, I will take the money out of one account and I put it into a different account that Marsha has full access to she's the only one that has access to that account and she starts the process of buying those gifts and she's great at it and she always comes down to the last dollar she doesn't spend any more than that we stay within budget on it and we're done and 
The gifts are distributed during the Christmas season. Wouldn't it be fun if you had a bank account for that season that was unlimited? Can you imagine? And you could buy anything you wanted for the people you really care about in your life and just bless them. And there was no limit. You could just keep on and keep on. Wouldn't that be a fun and crazy Christmas, wouldn't it? We have an account just like that. But it blesses others in a way that we will not find at the garage sale next year. It will not be returned to the mall the very next day. The things that really matter in the lives of the people that we care about the most. We have an unlimited account. What would happen this next year if we came to believe what Paul believed? That it really does make a lot a difference in another person's life. Maybe their eternity. If we would just take the time to pray for them. If we would confess our own sins so that our heart and our life would be pure before God. So we could come boldly before him and we prayed for them. And we didn't just pray for them once, but we prayed for them again and again. And in the spirit of God, we sought the will of God for what was their core need. Not their symptom of their needs. And we prayed intelligently at all times. What difference would that make in the lives of the people that you care about the most? Why would you not give that kind of gift out of an unlimited resource? Let's pray about that. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for the people of Lake Point. I pray that this very next week that there would be a radical difference in all of our prayer lives. That we would make the commitment and follow through on the commitment to truly pray for people, not just talk about praying for people. And we would pray for some of the things that we always pray about, but we would get deeper than that. And we pray about relationships of those people. I pray that we would be led by your spirit. I pray that you would give us a perseverance where we would continue to knock and knock and knock upon your door on behalf of those that we care the most about. That somehow, dear Father, you would put a burden on our heart and our lives for those who are in this community who are going to spend eternity separated from you, and we would pray for them. We would pray that you would use us, that you would supernaturally create divine appointments so that our lives would intersect with those people we haven't even met yet that we're praying for. And I pray to your Father that we would see results, that we would see quick and immediate and tangible results of our prayer so that our hearts would be encouraged to stay in that place of power. And I pray most of all, dear Father, that in the process that we would enjoy a new and a deep, intimate relationship with you and with those that we're praying for. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.